If your car has a problem and the dealership's giving you a fistful of, nah, mate, they're all like that, then here's what you do to resolve this issue in your favour. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands off their next new cars. Coming at you almost live from the palatial fat cave, yes. And the intention here is training up for the upcoming live streams, which are, believe it or not, more or less on track. Still got a couple of phone issues to solve, which is technically uplifting, but this is an opportunity for me to come at you unscripted and just produce more content than I would otherwise be able to, because the more formal presentations are actually requiring so much more work in pre-production, you know, and thank you for landing a plane on the roof of my house. Yes, good thing I'm here in the bomb shelter, isn't it? Anywho, pre-production, okay, it requires a heap of scripting before I even get to roll the camera to talk about some of these big issues, and I prefer to do it that way often because some of the things I deal with involve skirting around things like defamation legislation, and I have to be very careful what I say. So in those contexts, scripts work better, in this context, though, where I'm just trying to solve basic consumer problems, I'm a little bit happier just to come at you off the cuff and it's all going to work out okay. And more content, got to be good, right? So let's deal with the issue du jour, which is to do with a guy named Mark, who is the general manager of a resources company. And just think about that, okay? If you're doing that, you're not a Muppet. You can't be a Muppet because you have to deal with high-level issues all the time, like HR and occupational health and management this and contracts that and commercial viability, that's your life, all right? And even people in positions like this I see all the time, when they deal with a car dealer, they leave all of their occupational brain and savviness, their rat cunning commercial whatever, they kind of leave it at the door and then they work, work and walk into the car dealership, and they blow it. So let's deal with this specifically, okay, and try and get a path of action, you know, a course you can follow down the track there if you're in this position to stack the deck in your favour. This is from Mark, okay, and he says, I purchased a 2017 Toyota Hilux DC SR5 late in 2017, brand new from a dealer on the Sunshine Coast. And he goes on to say that it had the DPF problem that Toyota 2.8 diesels are famous for. Infamous would probably be a better word, but that's been resolved now, thankfully. He adds... The other issue which I'm keen to hear your thoughts on is with the gearbox and it has been a problem from day one. During the services, I've informed the dealer of the gearbox disengaging, it's an auto, when in a nose down angle whilst uh, going down to either go over a speed bump or simply turning onto another street. And once you apply power, the engine RPM increases apparently without engagement of the gearbox and it eventually clunks into gear, which doesn't sound good, I think you'd agree. He says, this situation does not occur with a nose up angle and only with a nose down. 
I've driven many auto boxes over the years, he says, and have never experienced this problem. The dealer has informed me that this is normal for this vehicle and not an issue. I believe that it's not normal and can only feel that problems will get worse as the kilometres pile up. Would like to hear your thoughts and if I should persist with my disapproval to Toyota. So this sounds like a serious problem. Here's what I'd suggest you do off the bat, okay? I'd suggest that mechanical problems of this nature are not a belief issue. I believe this and they believe that. It's not in that domain. It's in the domain of facts. So the first job here is to establish independently whether or not this vehicle has a problem or whether it is operating normally. And if this is a normal operational characteristic of Hilux, then okay, just live with it. The gearbox is going to be durable and maybe it's minor. And I can't comment on this obviously because I've never experienced Mark's vehicle doing this. So what Mark should do in my view is he should get an independent transmission specialist to go out and road test his vehicle. And yeah, hey, he's going to have to pay that specialist for the pleasure of evaluating that vehicle. But it makes sense to do this, all right, because an independent voice here can be worth mega bucks worth of he said, she said, personal dispute with the dealer and the service manager. If you've got an expert independent out here who says, no, that's a problem, or yeah, that's just this happening and you can understand what it is, then it resolves the issue one way or the other. And then you are either in a dispute with the dealer and you've got an independent expert on your side, or you have to kind of suck up this operational characteristic unless it really does constitute a breach of the acceptable quality guarantee in consumer law. So job number one here, independent expert, get it all sorted out. Job number two, all right, You've got to keep records. If you're in a dispute with a car dealer, it's like being in any other kind of dispute. You have to risk manage this, okay? And you have to say to yourself, there is a salient risk that at some stage down the track, I am going to be in consumer law court and I'm going to have to substantiate my claims about the number of times I've raised this issue with the dealer and their responses, whatever. And if all you've ever done is had conversations over the counter with some dude in the service department, it's going to be very difficult to do that because you will have some service records, obviously, because if they've taken your car and performed work and you've paid for it, you'll have an invoice to substantiate that stuff, but you won't have much more documentation. And that's a real problem, I'd suggest. It's a real problem because they can argue the toss about how many times you've been there, how many complaints you've made, the substance of the discussions, etc. So here's what I'd strongly suggest you do. It's a little bit dangerous, I think, to record covertly conversations, you know, mobile phone in the pocket, on record, using it as a voice recorder. You could act in a way subsequently that is in breach of various states' surveillance devices legislation, and you really don't want to go there. I know that here in New South Wales, it's okay covertly to record conversations if they're just for your own use, like so that you're helping your memory across the line. But you can't then produce those recordings and use them in other ways. That would be a breach of that surveillance devices type legislation. And you just don't want to go there because that would be a criminal offence and the cops can investigate that and you can be in a world of pain as a result of doing it. What I'd suggest instead 
is that contemporaneous notes, okay, have extremely high evidentiary value in court. So if you're in a situation where there's this dispute over the vehicle and you can't just handle it in writing by email in the first instance and you are having this to and fro conversation over the counter with a service dude, then when you walk out of the joint and go back to your car, whip out the high-tech miracle of a notebook and a pen and write down the details of the conversation. And by that, I mean is I mean, as soon as possible after that conversation, write down the words that were said. I said, blah, 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 blah. He said, blah, 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 blah. Do it like that. If it takes 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes really well spent if you go to court and then save it. You know, you can use the high-tech miracle of your phone and take a photograph of those notes, beam it up to the cloud so that it can never be lost, okay? You've got a record, but your administrative responsibilities really don't end there. The next thing that I strongly suggest you do in this situation, okay, is you find the info at or the contact at whatever address for the service department at the dealership or just the general info at or contact the dealership email address and you send them the following email, okay? You say, on the blah, blah, blah of this month in this year, I attended your service department and spoke to blah. The substance of this conversation was, I detailed this problem and blah said to me, da-da-da, da-da-da, whatever, and we resolved to take the following action or the following action was resolved or I am not happy with this conclusion and I demand blah, okay, and you send it to them, okay, and you do it with one of those email servers like Gmail where the emails never go away. They exist in perpetuity so that you can whip them out at any time. And there's another real benefit to doing this, okay. The other real benefit is that this is an implicit opportunity for them to repudiate what you've said about the substance of that conversation. You've given them your version of events and because you've sent it by email, there's a record of it being sent. It's on the email server back at Gmail or wherever, okay? And if you do that and they do not respond to repudiate your version of events, that's going to look really bad for them if it ends up in VCAT or NCAT or QCAT or any of those consumer law tribunals around the country because they've had an opportunity to say, no, 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 this is a normal operational characteristic, your complaint is baseless, whatever. If they haven't gotten back to you to repudiate that, then you've got a brief of evidence that looks really good to substantiate. It's going to be about that thick (laughs) for some of the complaints that I've heard from time to time. But that's all good, right? Because here's all of this documentation to substantiate the interactions that you've had backwards and forwards with the dealership seemingly without end and very frustrating and you are doing judo on these, right? Because you are using this position to give you power. It's leverage, okay? You've experienced the frustration of doing this. You might as well get the benefit out of it. And I'd suggest that so many consumers get this wrong. They've gone through the pain. They've experienced the frustration of multiple trips back and forwards to the dealership. 
and they haven't capitalised on it by being able to substantiate it down the track with a wad of paper this thick. Here are the printouts of my emails and I challenge dealership to provide me with their responses because I never received any of those. They're just mucking me around. That's going to look really good for you when push comes to shove in court. And frankly, it's only a little bit of extra work. Okay, you're going to go through all of that legwork anyway. You're going to experience the problem. You're going to have the to and fro over the counter. All you've got to do, and I know, straight where it's kind of cool to be dumb, but pick up the friggin' pen, put it down on a notepad and write down the words for five or ten minutes following every interaction with the dealer. Send them the follow-up email that said we had this interaction and here's the conclusion that flowed from that. We're going to give it four weeks and you're going to get back to me or I am extremely frustrated by this ongoing lack of resolution. What do you suggest I do? And I guess... The final thing here is when you get to that point where you've got that straw, it's on the camel's back, the camel's knees are going like this, they're about to buckle, then you've got to do one more thing, which is you've got to get your credit card out and go and plonk yourself in front of your solicitor and get actual advice from a lawyer. And I see people all the time, you know, they've spent 60 grand or something on an SR5 or a Ranger Wild Track and they're having this problem and it's a real problem for them, but they want the cheap assed legal advice. They want to go to consumer affairs or whatever, you know, the free government service for advice. They've got the money to spend on half an hour or an hour in front of your lawyer. It doesn't have to cost you 20 grand to go to QCAT or NCAT or whatever. You don't have to spend that kind of money. If you're half literate and a decent operator and you're reasonably articulate, all you need to do is get advice from your lawyer about how to proceed. And you can just do that. And that's going to cost you, I don't know, several hundred dollars by the time you get to the pointy end, but it's not going to be several thousand. And by the time the dealer as the first respondent and the manufacturer as the second respondent are starting to feel as if, you know what, you really are going to engage them in this way and balance of probability you might win. And you've said to them several times by email, I will have no choice but to lodge a formal complaint with the ACCC regarding your conduct here. Then by the time you've got all of that, then they're really likely just to cave in and go, you know what, we're going to solve your problem, which is exactly what you want. I hope this advice has been helpful for you. I know there are hundreds and hundreds of people in this situation at any one time, and it's a hot topic right now with the ACCC, and I note there's pushback from several groups now, industry association type groups representing dealers, you know, trying to frame this debate in the context of, you know, evil owners trying to profiteer or dishonestly represent themselves under Australian consumer law or cope with uh, buyer's remorse using consumer law. So it's going to be interesting to see how this particular war of words pans out as well. But if you're in that situation where the vehicle is not behaving in the way that you want it to and you think that it is defective, then I'd suggest you're a mug if you don't do that. Thank you very much for watching.